Hello, and welcome to the Everyday Evidence podcast from AOTA. My name is Bill Janes. I am Assistant Research Professor in Occupational Therapy at the University of Missouri and your host. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Hallie Reed, Clinical Assistant Professor at Pacific University in Oregon. Hallie earned her Bachelor's in Psychobiology from UC Davis and her Master's in OT from Midwestern University. In addition to her faculty role, she is pursuing her PhD in Translational Health Sciences. Her work focuses on the role of OT in mental health care and moving evidence into practice. That perspective makes her a perfect fit for the Everyday Evidence podcast. Hallie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you, along with Sean Rausch and Donna, Donna Downing, wrote the paper, Early Intervention and in Mental Health for Adolescents and Young Adults, a Systematic Review. The paper appears in Volume 72 of the American Journal of Occupational Therapy, or AJOT, from 2018. Before we get into the details of what you did, please tell us, what was the background here? A, a systematic review is a big undertaking. Why did you decide that mental health for adolescents and young adults uh, needed this kind of attention? So the background to this was that there's been a rise in occupational therapy practitioners working with adolescents and young adults who are specifically who are at risk for developing um, a psychiatric illness, mostly those involved <clears throat> with psychosis. So things like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. And there are specialty programs popping up all over the US and the world um, that often have OTs on those teams. And that really comes out of the literature that shows that bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, for example, really start to show warning signs and prodromal symptoms when someone's between the ages of 15 to 20, give or take a couple of years. And so because of the change in the way OTs are practicing, because of these opportunities to work on these early psychosis teams, for example, we were approached to undertake a systematic review um, to see what the levels of evidence are and what OTs can integrate into their everyday practice that are specific to those within that time, within that age group, and um, who are dealing with those occupational challenges. Excellent. So clearly there's a, a need there, or at least an emerging need for OTs in this area. Um, so I want to stick to this point of, again, a systematic review is a big undertaking. Uh, I assume that most of our listeners have at least a vague idea of what a systematic review entails, but most have probably never done one themselves. I haven't. Um, can you give us at least a very brief rundown of what that process looks like? Yeah, so you, <clears throat> a systematic review is a way of looking at outcomes research specifically. Um, so <clears throat> it's common to have systematic reviews involve more quantitatively done research and so what we did was kind of look at what the literature and the results are saying about certain interventions for that age group or for how we define young adults. And what we found was that there weren't any specific to OT interventions, but there were very um, interesting and specific results for things that OTs could integrate into their everyday practice if they're working with that age group. So to go through the systematic review really requires you to gather the literature and then you um, 
start assessing the level of evidence, you know, using your evidence-based hierarchies. So randomized control trials, for example, would be level one. Above that would be a systematic review, but we didn't come across any of those themselves. Um, and that would have produced a different kind of review um, if there had been systematic reviews included. So it was really a way to, to assess the evidence and make the most unbiased judgment of what the level of evidence is and what it's saying about um, the outcomes when this intervention is used, for example. Great. Uh, so I'm curious uh, just briefly about the intervention. Uh, you mentioned these are teens, adolescents, young adults. Um, and right there in the title and throughout, you use the phrase early intervention. I just want to be clear for our audience. That means something different here than, uh, than what I think some folks think of an early intervention. So we're not talking about birth to three services. Um, what's, your, what's your definition of early intervention in this case? So early intervention in this case is that there are warning signs or someone who is at risk of developing a psychiatric illness and they, they're in the age range of adolescent to young adult. And so, oh, okay. you know, in practice and in the literature, that's anywhere from 12 to, you know, 25. So it's not kids in childhood, it's early intervention in the essence that the OT would be working with someone before or at the time it's developing to prevent long-term chronicity of the illness. Okay, great. So then uh, let's talk a bit about um, the, the illness and the interventions that you all looked at. So you mentioned the goal of a systematic review is to look at intervention research to see what works, um, essentially, by, by looking at the results of a lot of different studies that have happened. So you, you categorize some of the interventions that came out of the, the literature that you reviewed, your, your critical appraisal. What were some of those categories of intervention that you think OTs might have a role in? Sure. Um, so the ones that um, came up as we did our review um, were things like cognitive remediation, which is an intervention to help people's cognitive processing speeds return and accuracy. Um, there's supported employment and supported education. So that's very much a strengths-based, uh, fidelity-based intervention usually that helps anyone, but in this case, young people return to work or get a job for the first time and stay successful in school. <clears throat> and then fa family psychoeducation was another intervention. And that is a usually a group delivered intervention that's all about how to problem solve and approach everyday life in a way that the stressors don't trigger further challenge with the illness um, coming from that stress vulnerability model so that if you increase stress and someone's vulnerable to symptoms or an episode of mental illness, that's a bad combination. So it's a way to mitigate that. And then the other one um, that came up was cognitive behavioral therapy. And that is common in the literature. It's a very heavily researched, uh, very prominently used. Um, and it was showing in our systematic review to be an effective modality. Excellent. So these are areas that I think some of us um, associate more with psychology. And given your background in psychobiology, these might have been more familiar to you than to OTs. We get some exposure to some of this maybe in OT school, but I suspect some people will question whether this is really within our scope. 
Um, so what's the OT angle here? We, we all get a little territorial about mm -hmm. our respective scope of practice. Um, for the occupational therapist or the occupational therapy assistant out there who works with adolescents and young adults who are at risk of serious mental illness, mm -hmm. what can they take away from this and what should we be doing in our, in our practice? So, you know, the way we approach this and our kind of discussion and conclusion around this is that these are what the literature says to be the most effective. And our argument was that these are things to integrate into your everyday practice, not to replace your occupation-based interventions. So you want to do these in conjunction. Or if you are, for example, an OT working with young people and you are supporting education, how can you use what the evidence says about supported education as a component of your care and integrate that in with whatever occupation-based or meaningful activity-based interventions you're doing um, with these young people, for example. And I think that plays out really nicely um, to, to applaud all of you for, for categorizing and finding some of the papers out there on supported employment and supported education where this is clearly such a fit for OT. As soon as I saw those headings, uh, supported employment. I thought, of course, this is OT's area to, to be involved. Um, so again, as I, as I mentioned off the top, and we're, we're running short on time already, <laughs> um, a systematic review, again, is a big undertaking. This one was published in 2018. Uh, based on the references that you, that you all cited, I'm assuming it was completed sometime in 2017. Um, so what have you done since then and what's on the horizon for early intervention for teens, adolescents, young adults with, uh, at risk for serious mental illness? That's a really good question. So I, um, just speaking for myself, you know, not for Sean and Donna, I think one thing that doing this systematic review really showed is that there aren't any published studies about our OT interventions or the impact of occupation in this um, population or in this clientele. And so one thing that I'm really hoping to do in the future is, you know, put more of that kind of research project together and publish those results so that the next time um, a systematic review is undertaken, that, that our evidence and our research is, is part of it, um, so that it is more clear to clin clinicians what our role is. Um, and to those that we work with. Excellent. It, it's all too easy when we read a, a research paper to see that last line in the limitations that says there's not enough research or suggestions for future work. We need more. It's nice to hear that you're following through with it and, <laughs> and have a plan to help get us there and build the evidence so that we can be as effective as possible for the people we serve. So, Hallie, I, I want to thank you for taking such an in-depth look at an important topic and for walking us through it today and making it really accessible. Hallie Reed is clinical assistant professor at Pacific University in Oregon and is lead author on early intervention and mental health for adolescents and young adults, a systematic review. Again, it's available in volume 72 of AJOT from 2018. Hallie, thank you again for joining us today. And listeners, you can find Hallie's article online uh, I'll give you the DOI number. You can find it at doi.org slash 
5014 slash AJOT.2018.033118. Again, that's doi.org slash 10.5014 slash AJOT.2018.033118. As always, AJOT access is included in your AOTA membership. Um, you can also uh, find a link there. We'll put that in the uh, Everyday Evidence podcast page at aota.org. You can find that page along with more episodes, transcripts, and links to source materials by searching for Everyday Evidence at either aota.org or on Stitcher. On behalf of the Evidence-Based Practice Project at AOTA, thank you for listening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.